Harris says it's her time now to become president of the United States. That's according to some reports, and it has a lot of us on edge. Allie Thomas joins us to discuss. We're learning more about the shooting inside of a Houston church. It looks like the shooter might have been transgender. FBI whistleblowers Steve Friend and George Hill join us. Ranchers are sounding the alarm as cattle production plummets. J.D. Rucker joins us. Cancel culture sadly is not done with Mike Lindell. There's another company looking to part ways with the MyPillow founder. I bring you the latest report on that. All that and more on The Brianna Morello Show. Happy Monday, everyone. I am so glad you guys are joining us. I hope you enjoyed your Sunday. I know I did, but uh, I wasn't really hoping for the big, let's just say, uh, Kansas City win. Uh, Ultimately, I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, and so I was not very happy to see her enjoying herself a little too much. But I know our friends over at Flyover Conservatives were really enjoying the game. They are massive Kansas City fans, and so Congratulations on your Super Bowl victory. It's exciting, I guess. Anyways, let's fast forward to something else. They'll get that one. Let's fast forward to something else. I'm gonna get I'm gonna do a complete change in everything right now. I'm gonna bring up something that's very, very scary. We're gonna read over some headlines, and the first one that's up is horrifying for many of you. Kamala Harris says she's ready to be president of the United States. And heck yeah, that's scary, according to the Wall Street Journal. She's telling people that she's ready to step in as president because of, you know, Joe Biden's age issues. As many of you recall, last week we were discussing the uh, the special prosecutor's report saying that Joe, Joe Biden is too old and senile to face criminal charges related to his classified documents case. And so now literally the corporate media world is throwing him under the bus. I want to bring in somebody who knows how to deal with crises like this one that we're all facing now. Let's bring in Allie Thomas. She is the former director of operations for Congressman Matt Gates. She is also a crisis manager. She unofficially manages all my crises, but we won't talk about those on air right now. Allie, thanks for jumping on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So we're almost three and a half years into the presidency, and she hasn't stepped up and been ready to serve in her current position as vice president. So I don't know how we're jumping the ladder. You know, people have speculated a lot on how she got up there. I don't really care how they got up there. I've always used my brain and merit. I just don't want her to suck when she gets up there. And so, you know, as the vice president, she, what has she done, Brianna? Do you, do you know of anything significant? Well, Allie, they always say you have to start from the bottom to get to the top. Oh, that was bad. Um, but <laughs> sorry. Uh, but right. honestly, I listen, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm like, this is where I'm at right now, right? Like, I, I don't want to see Joe Biden doing anything. I don't want to see Kamala Harris doing anything because they're more destructive when they are in active mode. And so ultimately, like, I'm okay with them not doing anything. I'm cool with that. Uh, but do I want to see her as president? Not really. She's an embarrassment. She also has that, like, nasty cackle that we'd all have to listen to all the time. Um, so it's good that she's VP because right now they just kind of shuffle her off on the side because she's not intelligent enough to be able to d- address the American people. And and so I'm I'm kind of a fan with her just keeping her VP role. But how do you think this plays into the presidential election? Because ultimately, I think the people at the White House are putting Joe Biden and his and his you know cognitive issues out there for the world to see because they don't want him running for re-election in 2024, obviously. So do you think that this whole thing shifts and they run Kamala as the main person on their ticket this year? I mean, that would be a tragedy from a strategy standpoint. I don't see Kamala moving up at all anymore. 
I think she's going to quietly go away. I think they're going to try to find somebody else. I believe the Democrats are scrambling. They're still trying to, you know, say there's gaffes and Trump had some and Biden has some and we all have some. And and while that is true, we can gaff. This is a cognitive issue. This is this is almost elder abuse in my eyes. And I don't think that Kamala has the the intelligence or the experience to take on the problems and the issues in the country. And I just don't know who they're going to put up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, people float all different names around there. Michelle Obama is obviously one of them because she doesn't really have a political background. And so they think that's safe. But ultimately, we all know that would be Barack running everything as it is now. And so it's it's scary. It really is. I don't know if the Republican Party and the RNC or any of these you know groups are really prepared for what's going to come and take place because ultimately – uh, there's going to be a last minute change. I cannot imagine that they keep Biden on the ticket until November. It just seems like it's destructive, unless honestly, they're just so confident in the steal that that's what they do. So Ali, I want to bring your attention to this political article because ultimately political saying that Joe Biden is secretly frustrated with his attorney general, uh, Merrick Garland, ultimately saying to aides and advisors that he should have started prosecuting President Donald Trump sooner in the election interference case because if he would have done so, a trial may have already happened and might be underway or might have concluded. It's ultimately, this is what political is reporting. It's quite interesting, right? Because when they sit there and you talk to these people in the White House, they pretend like they don't have their hands on any of this. But they're ultimately admitting behind closed doors that the attorney general should have started sooner because he would have been able to interfere in the election. What's your biggest takeaway from this political reporting? I mean, talk about a new take on the biggest loser. Yeah, I, you know, you can't do it on your own merit. So we're going to now, you know, go after our political um, uh, adversaries or rather our opponents. And it's he knows he can't win on his his record at all. And so now we're going to just, you know, go in and try to sue everyone or arrest everyone, throw them in jail. And that's the way I mean, this is this is beyond banana republic it's it's venezuela yeah yeah it, it's disturbing to see their strategy and we talk about it quite often on the show ultimately what they do is is they are trying to go after president donald trump at every every avenue uh, ultimately civil court like you had said criminal court and they pretend like their hands aren't on any of this but we've mapped it out previously for our audience between the fulton, fulton county criminal case you know, the special prosecutors personally meeting with the members of the White House. We see it. We have the records. And then when it comes to the civil cases, you know, we have the New York Attorney General, Tish James. She's also making visits to the White House. And she's also going after the president. And it just, it, it keeps happening. There's all these cases that are linked to the White House, but they're pretending like it's not. And there's not an issue here. I want to bring up uh, Fulton County again, because I think this is interesting. So ultimately, as we've spoken about before, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis Many of you guys know her. She's the one who brought in the private citizen who is now her uh, legally married boyfriend uh, <laughs> into becoming the special prosecutor. She's funneled over $600,000 to her special prosecutor, legally married boyfriend, and ultimately is going after President Donald J. Trump. Well, it looks like she might have an issue coming on her own front lawn. And ultimately, it's whistleblowers from her own office who are willing to come and testify against her. Ultimately, what they want to talk about is potentially the misuse of federal grants. And according to Fox, they have whistleblowers who are multiple whistleblowers from her office who have expressed eagerness to testify against her and to bring up these issues because this is a common issue. We heard recordings where she actually fired 
some woman who stepped up to the front plate who was talking to her about uh, the misuse of federal grants going towards things like that weren't supposed to go towards it, like buying laptops and buying other devices. But again, the grant was specific. It was not supposed to be used towards those purchases. And Fannie Willis, instead of thanking the girl for coming forward and reporting this, she actually fired her, according to reports. So, Allie, I mean, how is this case in Fulton County continue to carry on when we have a Republican governor, we have a Republican attorney general in the state of Georgia, and all of them are just sitting here pretending like they're not going to interfere in any of this and act like they don't have a hand in this? I mean, what the heck is going on in Fulton County? Well, first, she allegedly is looking at how the vice president, maybe she's ultimately trying to get a VP bid. Mm. I mean, with her boyfriend, you never know. But uh, <laughs> also Governor Kemp, I'm not so sure we, I mean, he has an R on his name. I, I, no. I mean, the, a strong Republican stance that he's made in recent or, you know, in the last several years. So it, it is disheartening that we as Republicans can't all get on the same page seemingly like the Democrats do. You know, mm -hmm. everybody rushed to President Biden's um, defense over the weekend um, to tell him that, you know, he has no cognitive issues. Republicans would just put each other over, you know, over <laughs> spilled milk. So I think that she didn't think she was going to get caught, ultimately. I think that she thinks that it is more important to fight President Donald J. Trump than it is on the way she's doing it or her ethics. Yeah, it's interesting because ultimately, yeah, both of them have a privilege. Uh, Democrats, just you in this country. It never, it, it's never shocking to me when they think that they could get away with these types of crimes, allegedly. Of course, we should throw out there. But yeah. ultimately, there's, there's only so much you could ignore. And she needs to be reported to the bar. There needs to be internal investigations. I know over the weekend also, we discussed about how U.S. Marshals had to actually go after her to serve her because you know, members in Congress want answers for those federal grants as well. And so she was trying to dodge getting subpoenaed and U.S. Marshals had to intervene and serve her. So she knows that she's in, in deep water here. And we'll see Republicans. I like some. I don't like them all. But I also don't trust them, too. And I just kind of like, are you going to actually see accountability here where she's held, you know, equally to the law as President Donald Trump is allegedly being, you know, held against? I mean, I don't think. President Trump committed any crimes. Let me just be clear about that. But, you know, they continue to say that no one's above the law. And yet these people are running a crime scheme in Fulton County. And there seems to be zero accountability. Uh, and speaking of strategy. Sorry, go. Sorry. Here you go. As you previously mentioned, they're acting like they're not doing anything wrong, except yeah. their words and their, you know, their language, their body language aren't adding up. You know, you know, you mentioned New York. She was there proud of everything she's doing against um, President Donald J. Trump. Um, Miss Willis doesn't seem like she is doing anything wrong while she's gallivanting, allegedly gallivanting on the taxpayers' dollars. And, you know, wasteful spending is one thing. Doing it for personal, unethical reasons is a whole nother. And she needs to be, you know, pr probably put in jail. I believe that's an 18 USC, which is criminal code. You can't spend yeah. dollars for your personal use. So, yeah, well, she's trying to, and it was interesting too, right? So these two won't, 
both Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade won't confirm when they started dating. And so they gave us a date, but it doesn't it doesn't seem to match the records that they have, especially because Nathan Wade was going through a divorce. And a lot of these records were turned over by his uh I don't know, I don't know if it's official ex-wife yet, but she was handing over, and a lot of you will recall the credit card records. So he says, Oh, no, 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 whenever we went somewhere, Fannie paid her own expenses. But his credit card records, his business records show that he booked flights in her name for American Airlines. And it's oh, we have Duncan, you are the best producer. He pulled it up so quick. Nice. <laughs> These are, yeah, yeah, that was a great one, Duncan. These are the records I was just referring to. As you see, the highlighted part where there's $477 that was billed towards his credit, to, to his credit card, his company card was for a woman named Fanny Willis. Now, ultimately, remember, guys, he's billing. So he's billing Georgia taxpayers for his special prosecuting abilities. And so ultimately, if he's using, those same taxpayer dollars to help pay for her f- expenses for the to go on vacations. Heck yeah, that's a crime. And uh, oh. it's pretty obvious that what's going on here, whether or not Republicans or people who actually care for the law, but it shouldn't even be a political issue. It should be people who actually care for the law and care to uphold uh, any type of accountability for Georgia taxpayers too. I mean, this is ridiculous. And so the evidence is overwhelming. And for some reason, when I reach out, I, I can't seem to get a comment from anyone. So it's Shocking. interesting. Shocking. I know. And you know, it's sad because this shouldn't be a Republican or a Democrat thing. This should be a, that you absolutely don't do this thing. So I I mean, I don't know how they're going to get out of it. They're, they have record. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, he settled his divorce pretty quickly when those credit card receipts came out. And so I think there's a lot more he's hiding in it. So we'll see. We'll see, because that was a, that was a nasty divorce going on for quite some time. So all of a sudden, once she started pulling out the receipts, which would hold them criminally accountable, uh, they all quickly settled that one out of court. But we'll continue to follow it, because I think it's a great story to keep following. Uh, I want to also bring up something else that happened over the weekend. Vivek Ramaswamy, as you guys might recall, he was the Republican uh, presidential candidate. He's one of the many. He bowed out. Now he's being seen at Mar-a-Lago and he's doing quite the entrance these days. As you can see, look at him. This is very, gives me very uh, vice president vibes, him and his wife walking in with Melania and president Donald Trump. And it just feels like this is potentially a VP that they're trying to float out there for the American people. Uh, Allie, you've, you've met with the president a couple of times. You guys are, I wouldn't say good pals. I'd say great pals. (laughs) He knows, he knows Allie Thomas by now. I won't, but we won't name drop. I'll do it for you. But ultimately, Allie, gosh, I got so excited. Allie, tell us a little bit about this. Are you thinking Vivek is going to be on the ticket with the president or is this just a eh, floating to see how the American people feel about this type of thing? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I definitely could see him on the short list. You know, I still am a huge fan of Byron Donalds as the pick. I'm glad that they're not just picking any woman. I, I don't need another <laughs> Palin or Kamala Harris on our on tickets. Um, I, I don't believe that, you know, politics is shooting lightning in a bottle. So it shouldn't be my turn or a woman's turn or a, a person's race as a, as a turn. It should be the best person for the job. And I do like Vivek for it, but I'm still partial to uh, Representative Donald's. But I like the fact that he has a lot of pull, that Vivek has a lot of pull in the country. And I think that that's who we need. We need somebody that can um, appeal to some more independent side voters or leaning voters. And I think Vivek has that. I also think Byron Donald has that as well. So I'm interested to see if he's really on the shortlist. I believe he is. I don't know. You know, that's 
That's my best guess, by the way. I don't know any, <laughs> but I appreciate it. How, what are your thoughts? You seemed pretty excited when you saw the tweet yesterday. I know. I just threw my pen, actually. I was very excited. Um, I like Vivek. I do. Uh, he's got an extensive business background. I kind of like businessmen running our country just because they, we seem so far to have a pretty good record with that. I'm not a fan of politicians. And so ultimately, I like that kind of thing. I know a lot of people are a little nervous about Vivek. I haven't actually seen a reason to be nervous with him personally. You know, during my time at Fox, I booked him quite often on a lot of the shows. And he was always, you know, very eager to do media, uh, put his face out there. I haven't really seen anything negative. I mean, I briefly met him over at CPAC. He was uh, polite. He was very nice, very kind. And he also, what I like about him, right? So one of my my things that I really do like about him, this is just, just from a journalist standpoint, is a lot of the times, a lot of these politicians or people who feel like they're so big, they like to skip over certain media outlets, independent journalists as well. But he will actually sit down with anyone and take an interview with you and, and give you an honest, fair shake. And so I appreciate that. And I think that's the reason why he'd be critical for President Donald Trump, because he could do the media. He could he could push back when he has to. And he also doesn't think he's above during, doing certain media outlets and doing interviews and stuff. So for me, that's, a, that's something that I truly do favor, because I think you need to be able to reach every platform. And I don't know if President Trump's going to be able to do every single show. So I think this would be a good pairing between the two of them, because if the president can't make something, then he could do it. And so I think heading into November... That would be a nice little pairing. Byron Donalds, yeah, I do like Byron as well. Uh, Byron might have a little bit more of a pushback, though, based on his background. Um, I, I know I like him personally, but the background itself, they might be more points that they could hit with him with them with Vivek. So um, it's a very intense process to pick the vice president. I mean, there's vetting, yeah. there, there's interviews, there's background mm -hmm. checks, and and I mean, I can understand where Vivek looks great. I also think he's a great order. And one of the things that I think makes people nervous is his cadence is similar to former President Barack Obama. And so I'm not comparing the two other than how how charismatic he is and how comfortable he is um, in, on, in front of the microphone in, in, in the stage. Uh, I really appreciated when he was in Iowa and uh, a young man, a young business owner was getting ready to take over his father's company. And he had asked him uh, some questions and Vivek stopped with the politics and was answering his questions and giving some heartfelt advice. And I really did appreciate that. And the country was built um, and designed as a business. It should be run like a business. So I agree with you on the tendency of, of siding with a businessman or a woman to, to run the country. Yeah. Yeah. I like it when people make, you know, business, business solutions to things rather than emotional decisions. Uh, it seems, I think especially it's favorable for football. What was that? I said, especially when, because they have the nuclear football. This should not <laughs> be emotional at all. Yeah. It hasn't worked well for us. It hasn't worked well. Before we go, Allie, I want to bring up one uh, clip that I found on the internet today. Cause it's, it's very interesting in Massachusetts, obviously, you know, the bleeding liberals over there, they have been swarmed with illegals because, you know, Texas is sending them over to Boston and ultimately rightfully so because this is the policy they're voting for. So they should have to deal with the influx directly. But, you know, in Massachusetts, they're trying to like tell average Americans to open up your homes to these migrants and these illegals and let them into your home. Let them live with your family for however long. Let them claim residency in your home so they never get to leave. Let them. And if you if you looked at a lot of these uh, videos and photos, by the way, especially in New York City, when they leave the hotels that they're being, you know given to stay at, uh, they destroy it. So it's an interesting argument. I 
But the media is also helping in this. The media is giving great coverage and trying to influence Americans in Massachusetts to open up their homes to these illegals. Let's play a clip because I think it's a great PR claim for a kind of like a campaign, I guess I should say, for uh, illegal immigrants looking to get free housing here in the United States. Take a listen. Ellen and Jessica Stokes called the state to sign up to be a host family. It took less than an hour for the displaced migrants to be dropped off at their door. I got to get sheets on the bed. How many people are coming? Right. Where, are they, where are they from? What ages? We, knew, we really knew nothing. The need is so clearly uh, overwhelming. The family of four who didn't want to go on camera had been sleeping at Logan Airport. The parents and two kids journeyed from Chile to Texas, then Massachusetts. And there are so many stories like it. It's boggles the mind that there are so many hundreds of those stories. Yeah, it's not really boggling the mind. You shouldn't be here in the first place. But Allie, what do you think they're doing here? Because when they're giving these fluffy PR pieces like this, there seems to be some strategy involved here. And it's to make more Americans, in my eyes, to make more Americans open up their homes willingly. But ultimately, at some point, this might not be a willing process. They might actually start mandating Americans to open up their homes, their spare rooms, to these illegals. What's your takeaway from all of this? I mean, she was excited because she needed to put sheets on the bed as if it was like my children or my grandchildren are coming over for the weekend. It's stunning to me. You know, Bostonians like to say wicked smart. It doesn't seem very wicked smart to me. So, (laughs) you know, in my worst Bostonian accent. But uh, (laughs) I think that while the president is on Super Bowl Sunday trying to blame American companies for their packaging and shrinkflation, not take any credit for it. I don't know how many Americans are going to be able to house them anyway. We are in terrible economic uh, place right now. So I don't know. Perhaps the federal government's going to try to pay them to take them in. That's yeah. something. To- yeah. And they're probably going to get squatter rights too at that point, And they're not going to leave. Ultimately, like they've got most of these these migrants have nowhere to go. They're just coming here to mooch off the government. I know a lot of them pretend like they're not, but you know we see it in New York City all the time. Only, and I know this isn't every case, but you know the Venezuelan migrants who migrated to New York City. There's over 150,000 of them, and when they were granted work permits, only two percent of them have so far applied, according to the New York Post. And so ultimately, yeah, a lot of them are here for the free incentives. And I don't blame them. I mean, if you come from a country where you don't have those free incentives, where you don't have much in the way of work opportunities, and you see something like the United States is doing right now, where they're promoting illegal migration through those incentives, heck yeah, you pick up and you go. So I don't necessarily blame them for it. I blame our politicians for railroading all of us into this crisis. But it's all intentional, as many of us know. Allie, Thomas, thank you for jumping on with us today. We greatly appreciate it. Cancel culture isn't yet done with Mike Lindell. I'm getting kind of tired of saying this all the time because it seems like it's never ending. All of these companies and businesses continue to cut ties with Mike, ultimately because he's sticking up for our elections and it's disturbing. But there was this new clip that was floating around and it was an interview that Mike had done with Steve Bannon. And I want to play a little snippet of it for you guys because ultimately he's saying right now that his online merchant server has severed ties with him. And this is the same company that handles organizations with Mike that are like the uh, Lindell Recovery Group charity. If you guys are familiar with it, it's actually, I was once a Mike Lindell employee. It's actually a group for those who have addiction problems. It's how they go to get help. And so they've severed ties with him. So let's listen to Mike and let's listen to what he's saying and detailing. And then we're going to talk about on the other side. I have been attacked because what I want to do is secure our election. 
This just happened one hour ago. I had to pull over here on the road. Our merchant server just canceled the Lindell Recovery Network. This is my network for addicts, and I've had it with them, I don't know, five, six years. So now I get a call from them. Yeah, we're canceling you. I said, why? He says, well, your websites and stuff, they get attacked, and we, we just don't want to be associated with your name and with Mike Lindell. I mean, it literally makes zero sense. What Mike's literally telling you guys right here is the recovery services for those of his employees who are suffering from addiction, those are the ones who are going to suffer from all of this. And it's, again, it's it's one of the many companies that are just severing ties with him because he is standing up for elections. He wants to get rid of the machines, and rightfully so. We all know that machines are connected to the internet and blah, 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 blah. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things here that need to be solved. Uh, so how do we push back? I think that's ultimately what we're supposed to be talking about here right now. How do we push back? How do we support Mike Lindell? Well, as many of you know, we've recently partnered with MyPillow Products to bring you guys a special promo code here on the Brianna Morello Show. And so that's how you push back. You continue to make sure that Mike Lindell could help his employees stay afloat. And so this is what you're going to do. You're going to head over to MyPillow.com right now. You guys are going to fill up your cart with things that you guys could use in your house. They're great gift ideas. So many. I can give you a couple right now. But if you use promo code BREE, that's B-R-E, you'll get up to 66% off. So you have to use that if you're looking to save money. But ultimately, too, you're supporting him. And he could use all the support he can get. So let me give you some of my favorites. It looks like, oh, he's got new pajamas. I have to try those out. I like that. It looks like those are silk. Those are look good. Uh, I'll have to jump on that. I do have a pair of his pajamas currently, and they are phenomenal. So I am a major fan of the PJs. They are super, super comfortable. Those right there, those are really cute. I'm going to have to try a set of those two next. I'm going to fill up my cart in our next commercial break. But I love the Giza bed sheets. I brag about it all the time to you guys. You guys have to get your hands on the Giza bed sheets. It's a game changer. They are thick, but they're soft and they are super, super cozy. It feels like you're staying in a luxury resort. They are amazing. So get a pair of the Giza bed sheets. Also, if you're looking to get a really, really good uh, gift idea for a friend or a a family member, I would recommend the new slippers that he has. I just gifted those to my friend, Allie Thomas, who we had on the show earlier today. And she's loving them. She says they are amazing. They are so soft. Uh, I even forced her to shoot a commercial with me. And so you guys can see her using them because she loves them. So again, you got to head over right now to MyPillow.com. Use promo code BREE. That's B-R-E. That's how you push back against cancel culture. That's why we're running Mike Lindell commercials on this show because we have to help our people out. When you're sticking up for the right things, which are election integrity, we should not be sitting here and just letting you guys, you know, letting someone like Mike kind of fall flat. It's unacceptable. He stuck his neck out for so many Americans by sticking up for elections. So let's help him back. Head over to MyPillow.com and use promo code BRE, that's BREE, right now to secure your up to 66% off. You got to do it right now. We'll be right back after the short break. So I just finished unpacking my latest order from MyPillow. And There's so much to tell you guys about. The new MyPillow 2.0 line is incredible. And it's not just me. Gia and Giuseppe are also loving their MyPillow dog beds. Gia is so obsessed with it. She wants to eat on it, play on it. She literally never leaves her bed. She is loving the MyPillow dog beds. And I'm sure your pups at home would too. And it's just not that. My best friend, Allie, I gifted her the new MyPillow slippers 
and she's loving it. She describes it as walking on clouds. It's so incredible. So make sure you head over to MyPillow.com and secure up to 66% off. It's an incredible deal. Make sure you use promo code Brianna. That's B-R-E-A-N-N-A. And you guys got to get there now. Once word gets out that these items are all on the market now, the updated ones, well, he's going to sell out quickly. To celebrate the new year, we're having the biggest sale ever on overstock clearance and brand new products. For example, save 60% on our Goose Down comforters, the best comforters ever. They go perfectly with our MyPillow bed sheets and duvet covers. Save 25% on our brand new kitchen towels. They're made with the same technology as our famous My Towels. Our initial quantities are extremely low, so get them now before they go. Our seasonal flannel sheets are finally in. You save up to 50% and they sell out fast every year, so order now. They're truly the best flannel sheets you'll ever sleep on. Or save up to 80% on all our clearance items. And this is where it gets even better. For a limited time, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all MyPillow products. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. There was a tragic shooting that took place over the weekend in Houston, Texas. It happened at the Lakewood Church. It was just moments when the Spanish-speaking service was expected to begin Ultimately, there was a shooter. We are still not sure what their biological gender is. And that's, we're going to explain a little bit, but that looks like to be intentional. This all took place inside of the church that is owned by Joel Osteen, as many of you guys know. Ultimately, the individual who is the suspect, who is now deceased, is believed to be Janice Moreno. Now, this individual also went by the name Jeffrey as well. They have an extensive criminal record, as you could see here on your screen. The criminal charges go back all the way to 2005. And like I said, I have to be very careful with how I gender this person. I'm not trying to do it to give in to the transgender nonsense or to be politically safe. Ultimately, I don't know if this is a biological woman or a man. And I've reached out for clarification from several law enforcement agencies, and they're intentionally not being clear on this. The FBI won't tell me wh- whether this person is a female or a man. Uh, local law enforcement will not give details on it as well. Member, many members of the media are also confused. The post-millennial reported reports indicate that the shooter was a female, but Moreno may have been male. So again, in order to not get sued for defamation, we have to be as clear as possible on this. Now back to its criminal record. The, the record goes back, like I said, to 2005. Ultimately, those charges that were once charged to Moreno include unlawful carrying of a weapon, theft, assault, forgery, drug offenses, the list goes on and on. And ultimately, I'm not trying to play it safe with their verbiage. Like I said, law enforcement is intentionally trying not to tell you whether this is a biological man or a woman because they don't want you to use the word transgender. And that's what they're afraid of. So ultimately, we do not know if this was a biological woman because ultimately, yeah, this could have been a biological woman who was hopped up on testosterone and pretending to be a man. We don't know. But ultimately, again, when I asked the FBI today, this is the response I got from the bureau from uh, the FBI field office in Houston. Ultimately, they're telling me that they continue to assist Houston Police Department with Lakewood Church shooting investigation. I can confirm that overnight. The FBI and local police partners conducted a court-authorized law enforcement operation at the location. And then they go on to telling me that there's a press conference later today where these questions can be asked. But ultimately, I am not based in Houston, so I cannot ask these questions, sadly, And when I'm writing them an email, they should be able to confirm it or not. So there's really no reason for any of this. I want to drive that point home. 
they are intentionally misleading me as journalists. And uh, I don't want to pass on wrongful information to you, the audience. So later tomorrow, we will give you an update and I will let you know everything that we've learned. But I want to bring in two former FBI agents. They are now FBI whistleblowers and they know all about these issues. They're quite familiar with it. Let's bring in Steve Friend. He's an FBI whistleblower. He's also a member of the Center for Renewing America. And he's also the podcast host of the American Radicals podcast. We're also going to bring in FBI whistleblower George Hill to discuss. Guys, thank you for jumping on with us. We greatly appreciate it. I want to remind our audience, Steve, you are the host of the American Radicals podcast, which is available right now on Rumble. I'm trying to piece all this together. I'm reaching out to the FBI because I want to be as clear as possible with all of this. I don't want to misstate anything here. Ultimately, the FBI, I asked them specifically, is this a biological man? They didn't want to respond to that. It also states in his criminal or her criminal background that she is from El Salvador, but then they also identify her as non-Hispanic and white, which is also quite confusing. So I asked them about that. They didn't want to address that either. Um, what do you guys make of all of this? Because it's it's is it intentionally confusing or is it just meant to I mean, like, I'll give you an example. When I'm looking at this right now, and I see the fact that this is somebody who is from El Salvador, but they're identifying this person as white, it looks like they're trying to manipulate crime statistics to me, ultimately saying that, you know, this person is a white person who committed these crimes. But we know, just based off where their native country is, El Salvador, that this isn't a white person. So what's going on here, Steve? What are we actually, what are we seeing here? I think you're all over the target here. The manipulation that goes on is not new. It's it's not original to this case. The FBI is is in seek of the numbers. They are always trying to juke the stats here, and they're uncomfortable with the actual nature of this shooter. They don't want to go all in on saying that it's someone who has a mental disease and thinks that they are a member of the opposite gender. That's why that they've continually pressured the Nashville Police Department to hide the manifesto from the Covenant shooting that occurred there. They're going to give these vague details. They're going to continue to hide behind. We can't comment on an ongoing investigation as long as the narrative that will be generated from it is inconvenient for the message that they want to have going out there. And you reflected also on the fact that this individual has a long and extensive criminal history. So what we do know, and we can definitively say, is that there's two decades of antisocial behavior. And if this is indeed a woman who is becoming a man or thinks that she can, she's most likely injecting hormones, injecting testosterone, and doesn't have the guardrails of a 14 or 15-year-old boy who's undergoing those natural changes, has a lot of anger and outrage, and obviously directed it at members of a Christian organization who she deemed to be unworthy of life. Yeah. And it's disturbing because ultimately when this report first came out, they were already local officials in the county were already saying that this should be investigated as a hate crime. And the reason why they were saying that is because where she or he opened fire, that's right when the Spanish speaking services were about to begin. And so they believe that it was potentially a hate crime. But again, this is somebody who is not from this country, who is from South America, it looks like. George, would you say that there's any type of slight indicators that this is a hate crime against Hispanic Americans or Hispanics who were at that church that day? Or is it just a potential hate crime that should be investigated for just people attending church? The latter. We should be looking at the facts of the case and then conducting investigations from there. The reason why it's so hard to get a straight answer on all this is, uh, oddly enough, I'm not quite as dark as Steve on my analysis on this. I would assess that it's a simple matter of identity politics. It's really hard to thread the needle, if we can still use that term post-Super Bowl, of, you know, not 
misgendering someone or mislabeling someone. So my guess, and that's all it would be, is that, and it's not taking place between Joe Biden and the FBI and DOJ and the Texas officials, but somebody at the White House is coordinating this because they have to have the messaging right, because they want to continue the narrative that, that guns are bad. Uh, there are multiple bits of legislation working its way through multiple state houses, as well as the federal government, trying to ban assault rifles and large capacity magazines, while at the same time, they have to stay on top of this narrative that, you know, that you can pick your own gender and you get to decide, you know, what you want to be called or identified as. And so it's a real conundrum. It's um, it's a it's a real they've twisted themselves up in the knots trying to craft this narrative, you know, it was a little bit more straightforward with the Nashville shooter. Uh, they've been yeah. able to suppress the the manifesto there. And people call what Crowder releases the manifesto. It's not. The manifesto would be electronic. Uh, so we're not going to ever get any kind of fidelity on this uh, she to he shooter. And um, unfortunately, uh, this is just going to uh, get twisted up into some point where it's unrecognizable and people sadly just move on to the next thing. Well, that's the problem, right? So as a member of the media, I have to be careful with how I identify this person and how I push the messaging of what actually happened here that day. Because if I'm inaccurate, I could be sued for defamation. And so I also have to wonder if that's probably how they're going to want us to go about it. They're intentionally being confusing with all of this because they want us to give out some wrongful messaging and then potentially be sued by the family for defamation. Because that could possibly take place um, and I mean, when I'm on the phone with these people and I'm asking them specific questions, I mean, you should be able to tell me what the person's birth gender is. That shouldn't be so complex. And for some reason it is. And I find it all quite interesting. Uh, and then when you go back to the local officials over there who are saying that this should be investigated as a hate crime, do you think that's why the FBI is involved or will the FBI just naturally get involved in, in a shooting like this? Because it seems interesting that the FBI pops up when when we start asking these kind of questions. The FBI, the FBI is always, always seeking the headline. This is something that caught the headlines and they're going to try to get involved into it. But a hate crime is a federal crime. I think that they're going to play coy with you on the identifying information because they want to find the right hate crime to put it in. That's going to fit their narrative that they like best. The first they had, well, this could have been a hate crime of a, of a white person against Hispanics. Well, oh, wait, she's from El Salvador. That doesn't work too well. Uh, yeah. Well, this will be a hate crime of... Uh, a, a man against a woman, whoever they want, they, they keep coming up against it and they keep having a problem. So they're just going to keep playing coy with that information. I think not necessarily to entrap you in any sort of uh, litigation or make you liable for that, but to just make sure that you're not talking about it because of fear of that. It has a chilling effect. It has a censorious effect. Yeah. Yeah. George, I have a question for you. Now, normally, and, and Steve, you could jump in too if you'd like to add to this, but normally you guys as FBI agents would be developing profiles about individuals like this. How will using inaccurate information regarding gender, race, and you know where they're from, country of origin, how does that kind of put our country at risk of potentially having a, a terrorist attack or domestic, domestic terrorist attack in the future that we just can't prevent because we're not getting all the facts, we're not gathering all the information here, so we can't properly profile people, does this put Americans in danger when we do things like this? The whole basis behind the TRP, the threat review prioritization construct that the FBI uses, depends entirely on creating 
profiles of, of individuals and groups. And this is how we get into the situations that we're seeing now with the MAGA and the extreme Republicans and traditional Catholics and those sorts of things. But these are documented processes whereby the FBI intelligence cadre, with the support of right up to the director, create these what they call like threat profiles. I'm, I'm kind of using layman's terms here, but um, so it it's putting horse blinkers on where you only see what it is that you've crafted out um, and you wind up mislabeling people mm-hmm. to the point where you're going to miss stuff that you otherwise, if you were just in pursuit of the facts that you would be able to identify. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll give an update to our audience tomorrow after we go through all of this, because I want to be as accurate as possible, but it doesn't help when the authorities don't want to give you the right information that you need. And it's basic information. This shooting happened over 24 hours ago. So there's no reason why it shouldn't be, you know, at our fingertips currently. We shouldn't have all this information available. Uh, so we will see it. I'll keep asking the questions. And in regards to the uh, manifesto from Nashville, George, I've been asking for that for quite some time. I've submitted multiple FOIA requests and even for the body cam footage and the FBI. Well, it's still an ongoing investigation, so I can't seem to get a copy of any of that. So it's unfortunate, but it's expected. Uh, I want to swing over to another story, George. Actually, it's the reason why I asked you to come on the show today, because this is something that's very close for you, given the fact that you became an FBI whistleblower after blowing the whistle on Bank of America for handing over uh, Americans' information to the federal government regarding their purchases around January 6th. And ultimately now, Tim Scott is confirming what we kind of already heard reports about, that the Treasury is now confirming the fact that Things like MAGA, Trump, Kamala Harris, Biden, those those little key phrases were actually used to uh, to to like conduct searches. And so we're flagging Americans who were using those words or anything that was used that day for those purchases. And ultimately, they were flagging it and handing it over to the feds. And so what are we making of all of this, George? Because it seems like, you know, you blew the whistle on a Bank of America, but it seems like they didn't really fear you after you you ratted them out for what they were doing with Bank of America and handing over the private information, and now they're they're kind of expanding it even further. I would say, don't you think? Correct, and maybe it's not expanding. Um, mm-hmm. Subsequent to the Bank of America matter, what really frightens the hell out of me is that this has been ongoing for quite some time. I went in front of Congress to to give interview and and, and from, you know testimony regarding Bank of America and what they were doing. What I didn't know at the time and what hopefully Senator Scott is looking to find out is whether this was going on concurrently while Bank of America was doing this same sort of unethical behavior. Now, with FinCEN ingesting all this this data from financial institutions, it costs money. It's going somewhere. It's going onto a government server somewhere. It's being aggregated somewhere. It's being data mined by someone. It's being data mined to do what? To me, this is one of the most egregious violations of America's Americans' constitutional rights to privacy that I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I'm a lot older than both you uh, folks. Um, this is I, I after six years of college, I can't come up with a strong enough word to describe how bad this is. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, you often come on here and you talk about how they're trying to, you know, manipulate uh, domestic terrorist statistics and create lists and put Americans on it. We talk about it often, you and I. What do you think they're doing with all this information? 
I think they sort of gave it away with the Senator Scott's revelations here. The, yeah. They tried to justify what was going on by saying that it's been going on since the Trump administration. And I think that they believe that that will message out to everyone. We'll, we'll see that this was going on when there was a Republican in office and you can't assign blame to the Biden administration. This isn't politically oriented. Uh, but all really that they do is is give away the game, the fact that this is an administrative state. This is a police state that we're in that has transcended regardless of who the occupant is in the, in the Oval Office at this point. The FBI is a hammer in search of a nail. Its intelligence apparatus has grown to lengths that are completely out of control. Uh, we yeah. We, we always talk about they, they don't need a crime now. They just need a person to look at and they will look at them long enough and, and from as many angles as possible and cultivate as much information and data mine as necessary to find someone, something to charge them with a crime for. Yeah. Yeah. It's really scary, but you know, it's hopefully going to end soon. I'm hoping for it. I mean, I'm hoping Tim Scott's going to get to the end, to the bottom of this, but they never do. So let me, let me stop lying to our audience. <laughs> they never, ever do. They always recount like they're going to get to the bottom of it. And then for some reason it just kind of fizzles out. So we'll see. We'll Nobody keep following it. Power. What Nobody was that, George? gives back power. No yeah. one gives back power. They have tremendous power now, the administrative yeah. state. It's, it's really scary. It really is scary. So we'll see what comes of it. George and Steve, thank you for jumping on with us today. Last minute too. I greatly appreciate it. If you enjoyed that interview, make sure you subscribe to our Rumble channel. And if you're watching on YouTube, well, why? It's strange. You know, they're going to censor us and finally give us the boot. So make sure you stay in touch. Head over to briannamorell.com and subscribe to my Substack. It's free. It's the best way to stay in touch or download Rumble and watch us on Rumble where we're not censored. We can say whatever we want. We can talk about the vaccines. We can do all those things on Rumble. So head over there and make sure you subscribe and give us a thumbs up as well. If you're listening on our podcasting platforms, also give us a five-star review. If you have any suggestions or feedback or anything you want to say to me, drop it in our comment section as well. We read all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly. So give us some feedback there. And if you'd like to support us, well, it's very simple. We've just set up a brand new way for you to do so. Head over to briannamorello.com. Go all the way down. You'll see our donations tab. You could donate a monthly, like a monthly price, whatever you guys want to do or a one-time donation. It's literally all up to you. You can customize it as much as you want as well. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. We could use all of the donations possible because ultimately what we're looking to do is hire more private journalists and private investigators to go after these important stories and report on them. So we would greatly appreciate all the resources you guys could give us access to. So again, head over to briannamorello.com and you guys could go all the way down and hit that donations button. We will be right back with more Brianna Morello Show. You guys, I've said it once before, so I'm going to say it again. And under the Biden regime, I've never been more worried about my financial future. I called my good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott, because I wanted to come up with a plan put in place to make sure I was secure. And he came up with a plan for me to invest in silver. I'm rich. I've got my silver. I'm feeling so much better about my future. I highly recommend you give him a call and just chat with his team. 720-605-3900. And you could also head over to his website if you'd like to schedule an appointment. It's kirkelliotphd.com slash Brianna. <laughs> 
there's a new report out that we want to make sure it's on your radar because it was quite alarming when I saw it. It has to do with cattle production. And ultimately, this report's saying that there's plummeting numbers when it comes to cattle production, that we're getting ourselves towards a really bad situation. Now, this isn't just fear-mongering because if you look at the numbers that are coming out from the Department of Agriculture, it looks like nationwide the inventory for cattle has dropped to 28.2 million just year alone. Now, that sounds like a lot, right? It actually isn't. If you look back at the numbers, it hasn't been that low since the 1970s. And ultimately, now we're actually 2% lower than we were the year previously. And so a lot of people and, and cattle farmers themselves are sounding the alarm on all of this. The president of the National Black Farmers Association came out and made this statement. This is a bad situation for America's cattle farmers and America because we're producing 1 billion pounds less beef than we were in this country just a year ago. And so ultimately, that puts it in perspective. And I think a lot of Americans really need to think about this and what's actually going on. So I want to bring in a man who knows a lot about cattle farming. Let's bring in J.D. Rucker. J.D., thank you for jumping on with us. You are the co-founder of flyovermeat.com. I must warn our audience of that. So that's the reason why you're our expert, of course. Uh, but, J.D., when we look at this story, we see these these cattle farmers who are selling alarms on it. They're telling the Americans, like, look, we're, we're not producing as much cattle as we once were. And this could be a really bad situation a couple of years from now. What do you make of all of this? Well, it's not just what's happening now. It is the future that they're talking about. And it's, you mentioned you know, a couple of years from now, unfortunately, we're already starting to see the beef prices go up. This is something that that has been been ongoing through Bidenomics for, for the sake of inflation. But beef in particular has been hit hit extra hard, we'll say. It's not just about inflation. This is about the challenges that they're facing, they, they being the cattle ranchers themselves. They're wanting to produce more. But unfortunately, most of these companies are having to pull from from offshore. And I'm talking about the bigger ones, the the Tysons, the Cargills, the the bigger food producers out there. They're having to pull to to basically to, just to keep up with demand. They're having to pull from from foreign sources. Now that's that makes it harder even for domestic producers, which means that they're going to have to to not only try to produce more cattle, despite the fact that the cost of doing so is going up, and despite there's there's risks of drought continuing, not here in California lately, but at least uh, in most of the country, they're facing these droughts. This is something that, that should concern everybody because it's not just what's going to happen in two years. If this doesn't turn around, and I'm talking like immediately, and it might be too late already before we, we, we hit uh, really just bad times, but if it doesn't turn around, let's say it can turn around and it doesn't turn around immediately, then we're not talking about a 3% or a 5% or a 10% increase, we're talking about prices potentially doubling here within the next 18 months. And that's across the board. That's not just hamburger. That's not just, just steak or pot roast. That's everything that has to do with beef. Now, here's the thing. when, If and when this does happen, if we can't get it turned around, it's going to affect all foods. Because think about it. You know, If you're out there, let's say, let's say you're eating um, uh whatever, lasagna. Lasagna is going to be affected. It's not a beef product. It's a pasta, but it yeah. still has, for the most part, beef in it. Same thing can be said about what's happening with chicken. And it, it would be different if we we're having, say, a chicken surplus or a pork surplus, but we're not. They're hitting yeah. us on every angle. That should concern us. Yeah, it should. I mean, one of the farmers also mentioned the fact that he's been farming for 41 years and he's been producing good, healthy beef products for this country. And he says that uh, we're not investing enough in American cattle. What do you think he means by that? What, where is he trying to get at with that? Because that, that I thought was really interesting. Well, it is. It does have to do with the fact that we are allowed 
we being the American companies, we're allowed to take beef from offshore, beef from other countries. And if we process it a certain way and package it a certain way, we can still say it's it's a product of the USA. This is something that's only inherent with beef, by the way. Beef is the only one where they were able to, to make this happen. And that's the biggest concern is that, hey, if we're a rancher, we need to produce more because we're, we're in the middle of a shortage. Unfortunately, the, the bigger uh, food companies, they're like, we can't wait for you guys to produce more. We're going to get ours offshore because now we've got this loophole that's, that says we don't even have to tell anybody that this came from wherever. So then it's like, okay, so the ranchers can produce more, but they're not going to have as many buyers. So now they got to figure out we need to produce more, but we also need to, to keep our prices low to compete against uh, foreign entities. And it's just an absolute mess. If we were to invest, and I'm saying not we as in you and me, because I still eat plenty of beef. <laughs> I eat too much beef, as a matter of fact. I am doing my part to keep the beef industry afloat. But <laughs> but uh, uh, you look at, at a lot of these other companies, and especially when you look at the governments, they're not willing to help out. They're not doing, and I'm not a fan of subsidies, but my gosh, when you've got in, an entire industry that's about to go under, you figure something out, give them tax breaks or something, make it to where it's not cost prohibitive to where eventually we're going to get to the point to where they will have to choose between producing more beef and losing money or just stopping producing beef altogether. And that's oh. going to be really bad times for America. Yeah. And, and you know, that's what they're really hoping for. You know, when it comes to their whole climate agenda, they're hoping that Americans stop eating beef products. And it's interesting because the farmers also go into this article and saying that the Biden administration, like you mentioned, isn't paying attention. This is going to be a national crisis. And this is going to be a national crisis also for American farm uh, cattlemen. I'm concerned, especially when it comes to pricing. You guys have a good option, though. That's why I kind of want to give our audience a solution to kind of avoid all of this because it's important to talk about it. But over at flyovermeat.com, you guys have kind of created an option just for viewers at home to kind of secure a, a, a fixed price for beef prices right now, which is a great product. So I'm going to have you talk about the services you guys provide because you, you ultimately – have a solution in place. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the products that you guys serve over at flyovermeat.com. And, uh, and then I'll ask you another follow-up question because I don't want to overwhelm you. No, don't, no, no doubt. You can ask me <laughs> as many questions as you want. I am here Thank for you. you and your audience. But, <laughs> but as far as it's, it's, you did mention that, that the, the prices are stable. I, I'm sorry, but the prices are going up. Unfortunately, they have to. And yeah. We're talking about like five or 10 bucks per bag, yeah. but it is going up here within the next, I thought it would be this week, but but we haven't haven't done the changeover. Once we do the changeover on the website, um, the same 15% discount for, for promo code BREE, B-R-E, will apply, uh, but the prices themselves will actually go up just slightly, not a lot, just to be able yeah. to keep up. But here's our intention here. We're trying to sell as much of the beef as possible so that we can continue to produce even more beef. The idea, and this is the, we just had a meeting about this yesterday, uh, two days ago. The idea is that if we take everything that we can sell today, we sell as much of it, generate as much revenue as possible, and invest that into cattle today, we might be able to stockpile, you know, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 bags. Because when the prices do go up, we don't want to be priced out of the market. In other words, we don't want to be selling selling um, uh, 12 servings of. 12 servings of, of sirloin for, for 200 bucks or anything like that. We, we, we don't want to have to do that. And it does, unfortunately, with, with, with uh, freeze drying, the process to make it shelf stable for 25 years, it's not like, oh, you know, just throw it in the freezer and you're good or throw it in the dehydrator. Freeze drying is, is very hard. And that's why it works so well to maintain nutrition. We sous vide it. We, we freeze dry it. 
over at flyovermeat.com. And then we we put in the Mylar bags. This is a 30-hour process per bag. So the, and the re- reason I'm pointing all this out is that, yes, we aren't just thinking, oh, how, how, do we, uh, how do we make money off this? It's actually the opposite. We're like, how do we, if we make no money off this and we just sell as much as we can and reinvest that into buying more cattle today, will that benefit us in the future? And will that benefit our customers? Because we know that cows are going to go up. They're going to go up a lot. So we're trying to stockpile now. I know that that's not the answer to your question. It's not the answer you were looking for, but you just noted that the prices are stable. They're stable today. But yeah. at some point, probably next week, there is going to be, hopefully, our last price increase for a long time. And if, if we can sell, you know, six, seven, 800 bags from uh, flyover meat today, then that'll go a long way to helping us buy a cow. You know how they have those those things where it's got Sarah McLaughlin singing a song and, you know, for the price of a cup of coffee, you could save this kitten. Yeah. Well, for the price of this bag of beef over here, right this side, for the price of this bag of beef, you'll be able to help us buy more beef so that we can <laughs> sell more beef and we'll have plenty of it available before beef prices go to hundreds or maybe even thousands of dollars per pound, which is which is the end goal of the people that are pushing bugs and lab-grown meat on us. Yeah. Well, they're trying to price average Americans out of the market of purchasing beef products and it's devastating to hear, but also like although the prices are going to go up, I'm glad you mentioned it though. I don't want to hear that response, but I appreciate the honesty and our audience does too, because ultimately it's all about preparing our audience. And that's what we are like dedicated to doing here is preparing people for what's going to happen. It's why I beat yeah. people, I beat, I beat the mainstream media all the time on news cycles and stuff like that. Cause I want to warn people what's going to happen. And I think that's really, really important. So what you're saying there is you're telling us that this is going to be probably the last week to secure these great prices right now. So and then they could also secure it with a 15% off promo code with the promo code Brianna, B-R-E. So again, guys, if you guys want to secure low beef prices, now's the time to do it. You guys can't keep pushing this off. You got to head over to flyovermeat.com, secure the low prices that are there right now this week. Because he just told you, JD, just told you it's going to go up in just a couple of days. So get it now and then use the promo code Brie to get 15% off. And we made it so simple too, JD. I mean, you literally cut it down from Brianna to Brie for our audience because I know people never, like, is it one N or is it two Ns? And so we've eliminated that for them. So this couldn't get any easier. So head over to flyovermeet.com right now. Give everything a look. I also want to remind our audience, and JD, I'll have you talk about the process, but like you mentioned, this has a shelf life up to 25 years. How are you guys able to do that? Because that's really important during situations like the ones we just previously discussed. Absolutely. So we take our cow, cattle, all, it's all uh, Texas beef. Okay? Mm-hmm. We know where, where our beef was born, the ranch that it was born on. We know this, we, we take them to the slaughterhouse. We have them slaughtered. Uh, then we, we take it, they, they bring it down into the uh, cube size. Okay? This is ribeye, New York strip, tenderloin, all of that stuff. And then we, we freeze it. Um, I'm sorry. Then we sous vide it. We cook it sous vide so that it's, it maintains the maximum nutrition, maximum flavor. Then we take that and we freeze it. Then we freeze dry. The freeze drying process is the one that takes the most time. Because when you freeze dry it, you're actually sucking all the moisture out. It's not like dehydration. Dehydration, you get jerky. Freeze drying it, it actually comes out looking like beef. Now, it loses yeah. a little bit of its color. People think, oh, you know, you sucked all the blood out of it. The red in red meat isn't actually blood. It's a byproduct of blood that gives it the red texture, but it's actually just basically um, like like colored water. So we yeah. suck all that out. 
and then we we put it in the uh, in the bags with the we put them in mylar bags with oxygen absorbers that gives us a 25 year shelf life. We don't put any preservatives. As a matter of fact, we don't put anything. It's mm-hmm. literally one ingredient, just beef. We don't even put salt. We want it open to anybody with any diet. If they can eat beef, then they can eat our stuff. So yeah, um, yeah it's good stuff. I like that. I like that. And, and for our audience, I've got I've got your products in my apartment and I live in an apartment. I don't live in a house. And so storage is something that's really important for me. And so I actually store my flyover meat products in my closet, which is what you've told us previously is a great way to store it because yeah. it's away from any of the, and I live in South Florida. So the humidity and all that, it's it's all protected in my closet. They, they don't have it over there. It's we got the dehumidifier, we've got everything. So like we're good to go. Uh, but that's what's so important when you're trying to get the, the most shelf life out of these products to kind of store it in a safe area like that. So if you're short on storage, this is a really good option as well for that. Again, as JD just mentioned, prices are going up. And so now is the time to head over and to make these product purchases because you got to do it now. You can't keep waiting. So head over right now to flyovermeat.com. That's M-E-A-T, by the way. Use promo code BREE, B-R-E, to secure up to 15% off. You get also free shipping with that promo code. And then on top of it right now, you're getting the lowest prices available currently. So you got to do that today. JD, thanks for jumping on with us and discussing this report because it's quite concerning. But again, it's important to have a plan in place and you brought the plans. We appreciate it. The only channel dedicated exclusively to world entertainment I'm your host, Brianna Morello. My journey into conservative media is quite unique. I was raised in Huntington, New York with my six siblings. My mom stayed at home and raised us all while my father worked. After graduating school, I landed in the sports world. I was a freelance reporter and a producer for several outlets. I worked for companies like Major League Baseball, NHL, ESPN Plus, and many others. But it wasn't until a couple of years in the sports world I realized it just wasn't for me. So I made the jump into the news industry. My first gig was at Fox News and Fox Business. I was a teleprompter operator. And although they say it's an entry-level position, it was extremely high-pressure environment. You stay classy, San Diego. I'm Ron Burgundy? Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? After spending a year over at Fox, I decided New York wasn't for me. So I picked up all my belongings and drove all the way down to South Florida. I moved to West Palm Beach before anyone else did. And then during my time in West Palm Beach, I landed at a local news station down here. I was so tired of having to just copy and paste over scripts from platforms like the Associated Press and other platforms where you just don't put thought process into it and there's somebody else who's generating a script for your anchor. So then I ended up landing at Newsmax. I think Bloomberg has a really tough situation he's going through right now. After spending quite some time over at Newsmax, I did head back to Fox. I started working for Maria Bartiroma as a booking producer for her Fox Business Weekend Show, as well as Wall Street Journal at large. After finding out that Fox wanted me to comply with the local New York City vaccine mandate, I resigned. But I am extremely grateful because I am now a firm believer in independent journalism and strongly believe that will save our country. And so I'm honored to be on this independent platform and bring you the stories you won't see anywhere else. Join me in my journey on The Brianna Morello Show here on Rumble. And if you enjoyed that segment, make sure you hit that like button. And if you want to see the news before it becomes the news, you have to subscribe to our channel. And well, if you have a liberal friend that you're looking to save, make sure you share this content with them.